Dwarven Moss presents a Dungeons and Dragons actual play of The Curse of Straw. <laughs> Welcome back to Dwarven Moth. Oh, thank you. Chapter four of our Curse of Straw <laughs> campaign. Thank you for having me. So. Yes. Wendell and Boren. Oh, yeah. You are currently on your way to Death House, I believe. That's right. Yeah, of course. Because, uh... Uh, women. Uh, the Vistani women. That's right. We talked to the Vistani women. The three Vistani women at Blood on the Vine warned you of your wounds. Right. One said they could help if you clear out the tenants... Of the death house. Aye. And if we don't, I guess we're going to be turning into werewolves. Like anthropes. That's right. There you go. That's a jinx on Tom. So you went to Bildrace Mercantile Exchange to prep and get Wendell some armor. Bildrace. But Wendell, what happened there? Yay. Um, uh, what? Yeah. What the? You got, you can conjure up all these things, but this friggin' axe you're carrying around is. We've learned that Wendell's axe feeds on violence. And took control of Wendell, in a sense. Yeah. Ooh. And Bildrace's overpriced armor seemed to be the one last inconvenience that pushed your temper to the extreme. It's like Wendell's axe has a mind of its own. Yeah. And when you randomly attacked yeah. Bildrace, exactly. Boren tried to stop you. Thank you. Thank you. And you dashed outside, looking for some sort of animal, I guess. Yeah. To feed this axe. Dashed outside. It was. It's like the axe is pulling Wendell. The animal hunt didn't exactly roll out as planned. Instead, the next being you saw was a previous encounter of yours. Yes. The old lady selling pies. The pie lady. But this time, she was dragging a crying little boy behind her. Oh, the boy. Right. Uh, I attacked her. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. But you were able to de-escalate the situation with the shopkeeps. And you slayed Morgantha. Yeah. <laughs> and the young boy you saved took you to his home where you found his parents blissed out on a bed. Mm-hmm. Oh. Pastry crumbs everywhere. Those addicts oh, were on the pies. On the pies. Yeah. The pies. They traded their child in exchange for dream pastries. It's dark. Pies. Junkies looking for an escape. Yeah, man. Chasing <laughs> that dragon, man. You shook them awake and did your best to try and convince them to take their child back and change their ways. And they did. Yeah, I mean... But you're learning more and more about this place. That it's just so heavy with dread and sorrow. Uh, oof. Yeah. You guys wake up in this decrepit shack of a house to the lonely sounds of the mists outside. Ugh. Born, I feel like I, uh... I didn't even really get a good sleep. Yeah, you wake up and it's hard to even tell that it's morning time just because of all the shutters being kind of blocked up and the bed is, you know, maybe half filled with some sort of uh, comforting and feathers and it's kind of damp in here. How do people live like this, Born? We're not from here, friend. We shouldn't judge. These people are obviously trained to only make it through one night at a time, as we are. It's a lot different than the farm that I'm from. Yes. Tell me more about the farm you're from. We don't know much about it. 
It's a beautiful place, really. Shining plains. Glows orange year-round, reflecting that, that orange sun. I don't think I can ever go back there, Born. Why is that? I did something real bad. See, uh, it was about a few months ago. And uh, there was a real dry season for us down there in the south. Experiencing a bit of a drought. So we all were kind of itching for some rain. Fields are dry. One night, heard some roaring above in the sky. It was some dark clouds rolling overhead, and I thought, okay, our prayers have been answered. Went outside to watch the downpour, but there was no rain, just black, awful-looking clouds. I didn't like the look of them, so I just threw my fist up and I started cursing at him to give me some rain. I don't know what came over me. I just sort of lost some patience and I just shouted at the sky like a crazy old coop. Well. Boom. Thunder. Lightning. Huge bolt comes down and crashes on the stump that I cut my wood on and my wood axe comes flying through the air at me at a gazillion horses a second. My word. I can't believe I even dodged it. And it just stuck right there in my cabin. Right next to me. Looked like it was sort of pulsing a little bit with this blue lightning. I thought it was just an anomaly. You know? Hell. I've seen lightning strike a fella. But then, something pulled me to that axe. The axe I built myself, I'd known my whole life. Just a simple little axe, done me well. Grabbed a hold of it, but this time it was different. Something got inside me. Haven't really been able to part with it since, because when I grabbed a hold of it, it wasn't till moments later I started to feel something was wrong with it. I felt like the blade was like a part of me and its clean, untouched blade was giving me so much pain and discomfort and I, I didn't know what to do and I just paced around for a while. I tried to get rid of it but I couldn't part with it. And then sort of blacked out a little and well, my body just sort of took over. I went waltzing across the field and I just walked and walked with the clouds above me. Still no rain, just shadow above. And I walked into my neighbor's farm, a couple fields over went into their house and I knew them my whole life and I cut them all down and I walked back and I felt that rain come down but it didn't wash the blood off my blade it stayed dirty, stayed bloody and I liked it like that 
Next morning, I sort of came to and I couldn't really get over what I had done. I knock at the door and my neighbor was there. I had to go. They knew what I had done. I had to just leave. I knew what I had become. I'd, something about this blade was getting me to feed it violence. Awful, brutal violence. So I left, exiled, fugitive. Tried to avoid people ever since. That's why I want to just earn some coin and get enough to live alone my final years off the land. Guess I'm cursed. Porin's kind of looking at you dead in the eye while you tell him the story. And he gets up. You son are a murderer. Had I known that, I don't think I would have entered this land with you. And Boren gets up and just leaves the room. Wendell's just looking down at the floorboards. Boren starts getting his stuff together silently in his own bed. Returns to the living room and talks. The uh, mother of the child has kind of snapped out of her trance, out of her stupor, and she's realizing, um, you know, the reality of what she's done, and she's holding her kid and just crying and apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did this. You should be. There is an evil in this town, and you almost gave, you did give up your son to that. Change your ways, or your family will break down. She just cries. She goes, you don't know what it's like here. I, I promise I won't do it again. Born. I think these people have had enough of our company. Born kind of huffs. Hmm. We must be on our way. We have a task that needs doing. Thank you for the shelter. We won't be back. And he looks at the boy. His boy. You're ever in trouble again. Try and find me. And he just saunters. And the boy nods knowingly, and he's just holding, grasping this little teddy bear. And as you guys make your way uh, outside your abode. So I guess we're walking slowly towards this death house because yep. we are in, we're in this predicament whether we in yeah whether like, we like it or uh, not know each Stuck other here. or not or yeah. accept each other um what yeah. do we see what kind of day is it when we step out it is a probably the mistiest day you've ever seen um you can see a, a road to the to the east a little bit up to the north and pretty much anything south or west is blocked almost entirely in, in a thick fog. Okay, I want to say this, and I've been thinking about it. You know, born being a military man, it's always very much based on time of day and where you are, northeast, southwest. So he's been taking a sort of mental map of 
where he's placed himself from the first house that he's been to, to the blood and the vine, to the, to the chapel, to this. So he sort of steps out and gets his bearings, looks at the street, tries to figure out, all right, where are we going? The death house was uh, this way. Let's try this way. All right. He starts walking. So the path that you presume is the death house, uh, you, it's actually the most lit up path as well. As you walk by it, you do see the Blood of the Vine Tavern, and you kind of recall uh, the Pistani woman saying that uh, Death House is, you know, north of here, a few blocks, and then kind of just outside the city. It's almost like a, like a mansion on the hill type of thing. Right. I guess that must be it. Hey, looks like it. You know, Born, I know we're sort of stuck in this predicament together, but I just want to let you know you can trust me. I No words. We keep walking. Right. Sounds good. Boren keeps walking. Get towards... So... <laughs> Boren just stops for Boren, we gotta keep moving. I'm looking up at the moon. Yeah, the moon looks like it's a few phases away from full. You remember what the Vistani women said, right? We can get our wounds looked at if we take care of this situation. I think we should do it before the full moon. I think you're right. Okay, that's the words I'm saying. All right. We need to talk to this lady. lady yeah, we do. Lady Mira. Madame Eva. Madame Eva. Madame Eva, yeah. yeah all right. It's the same person that Stanomir told you about. That's right. Basically, essentially, one of the reasons he brought you here in the first place, but you guys have no idea where she is. Okay. And these uh, Vistani women, Do. the owners of the Blood and the Vine, they said they would help us. Okay. Well, so what does this uh, death house look like as I sort of get right up to it? It looks just like an old Gothic uh, manor. It's fairly tall. Looks like it's at least two stories. It's very slender. Like, a, I guess, like a Victorian Toronto building, almost. Cool. Uh, it's, but it's very white, and it's got kind of black shutters. And the house looks like it's in pretty good condition compared to the rest of Barovia. It looks very well maintained. Okay. Border goes... <laughs> and spits this. Louis and he goes, Give me a moment. He sits down and he uses his divine sense. So until the end of my next turn, you know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet of you that is not behind total cover. So it's not, you know what? Actually, that's a bad thing to do because it's all in the house. Everything would be in the house, so I can't really... So it's behind total cover. Yeah. Let's let's go up and kind of like be somewhere. I'm going to use my, use my mage hand to go and... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. Knock on the door while we hide out of sight from the front door. I just want to see what happens with a good knock on the front door. Send my mage hand out in a in a shadowy blackness. It travels across in front of me and then yeah, we're kind of hidden behind the corner. Yeah, there's some bushes that you can totally yeah, hide in. Bushes. Yeah, bushes. that and then and Buddha squeezes his axe, Iridium. About ten, fifteen seconds go by. It's completely silent. Okay. I'm going to go up and, and look inside one of the windows to the right. Be careful, boy. 
You don't want to be saving your ass again. So the window to the right, from what you can see, looks like a, a room with all kind of wooden wall, like oaken panels. There's also a, a kind of beautiful fireplace. And over it, there's the head of a stag. It almost looks like a hunter's room. And you also see four um, stuffed wolves. And you're just kind of making it out, you know, the best you can. But it looks nice, though, and, like, lived in a little better than what we just came from. It does look lived in. Everything about this house so far looks pretty nice. And normal. Mm-hmm. What? What do you see? Looks like a normal house. Pretty nice, actually. Yeah, uh, you guys can see why the Vistani woman might be interested in this as a new property. Probably would be a good place to set up a bar. I could see why the Vistani women could see this as a nice new property. Well, I just say. Hey, right. Well, I, I said that I'm as being well. redundant. I'm sorry. I'm gonna open the door. Wait, born. I just smash on the door. Open up! Anyone home? Uh, what you see before you is once again very well maintained. There's uh, even an oil lamp kind of lit, and it's this hallway that's fairly narrow, and there's a little coat rack at the side. Um, you see a mirror. You see a bunch of family pictures. Um, one of the family you look like you can see has an engraving that says the Durst family, and it's a husband and wife, a human, and they seem to have a few daughters with them. And then at the lo- at the end of this hallway is another uh, door. It's quite affluent, this house. I can see why the Vistana women want it. Yeah, but doesn't really seem too deathy. Not yet. Boren just starts sort of walking around, just taking his time, looking. Is there like a living room? Does he see furniture? So it's a, it's a narrow hall. Yeah. With nothing. Just another door up front. So we open the door to mm-hmm. this house. And there's just a hallway and another door at the end. Yeah, you can look around. There's uh, family photographs. And you mean, yeah, you mean yeah. look to our right family. and left on, in this hallway on the walls? Exactly. Yeah. How, far, how long is this hallway? Uh, 20 feet. And how long is the house to the end? It's pretty big. How about, about 100, 120 feet. Okay, so this okay. is like a sort of vestibule okay. kind of... Yeah, you, you would, it's not taking up a big I'm going to take, take one of the pictures off the wall. You take it off the, off the wall... Let's take a look at it, yeah. And uh, you're just getting a better idea of what these people look like, what the family looks like. Um, Warren, as you see, as you actually walk by, you take a look in the mirror that's hung up, and when you see yourself, uh, you look like you've aged quite a bit. By Moradin's beard. Look at myself. I'm going to huff it off and keep going to the door. Okay. Born, this looks like a regular old fam jam here. Look, I'm 
don't feel good about an empty house, singularly on a hill that a bunch of Vistani women told us is called the Death House. Yeah, well. We think we could just walk through this place like it's a bloody playground. Keep your wits about you. All right. So we're going to go to the door. and. So as you creak open the next door, to the right of you, you see a spiral staircase going upstairs. Well, this is annoying. Door after bloody door. This place should be called the door house, not the death house. Born, there's been like two doors. Like yeah. we went, went through one door and now there's just two more. Oh, well, that's too, too many. You know, dwarven houses, we don't have doors, we have openings. All right, I'm going to go and open, open up the one on the right. Are you listening to me? I'm talking to you. Look inside. Yeah, so as you open the door to the right, it's the door that you saw uh, through the windows with the, with the wolves. You can see it's an oak-paneled room. It looks like a hunter's den. Mounted above the fireplace is a stag's head, and positioned around the outskirts of the room are three stuffed wolves. There are two padded chairs, draped in animal furs, and an oak table between them, supporting a cask of wine, two carved wooden goblets, a pipe rack, and a candelabra. Were they expecting two? <laughs> what you find in here? What is it? What the... This place is rather well tailored. Yeah. For an empty house. And look at this. What's that? Picks up one of the goblets. Hey, don't two, touch that. Oh, it's two goblets and wine. And everyone in this town seems to expect us. What are we, guests of this death house? I don't trust anyone or any place in this godforsaken land. You've made that evidently clear. Let's Born. get rid of what's in here and get out. I'm going to take a look around, take a nice good... Just a nine. So as you investigate, you start, you know, kind of moving things around, looking for trap doors. That's what you're looking for, secrets. You know, looking at the fireplace a little bit, looking at the walls. You can tell from the fireplace that it was probably recently used. Oh. Yeah, they just had a fire here. I can smell that. What sort of death house has a fresh fire burning in the fireplace? Not a legit one. one. One thing you also... You catch just right out of the corner of your eye, and you're really not sure if you're seeing what you're seeing. But you... The three stuffed wolves in the room, to you, one of them has moved. Wait! Wait! What? Give me a moment. And Borden falls to his knees. Oh, my God. And puts his thumb and his pinky together and starts going... By the divine light, may the divine light run through the fingers of Morin. And I use my divine senses. Boring. And now I pulse to see. There's, it's like a, just, to me, feels like a pulsing up. Shit, Boren. I use my divine senses to find out in the 60-foot radius if there's any undead fiend. What is that? Or celestial. You sense undead within your radius. Jeez, Bourne, you're taking a prayer to the next level. We got a job to do. You go, he, you got any of those fancy weapons handy? You might want to take them out. I cycle through a few. 
What do you like? <laughs> I would say, prep your morning star, friend. When you see the morning star kind of whipping its little ball and chain around, kind of like almost giving off a little bit of shadowy particles as it flips. What? So I know it's an undead. I've, I've, this is what my divine within me. your spell radius. Yeah. You have detected undead. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Fuck this place. Wendell starts kind of like hitting a couple things. He smashes the goblet off the table. He kind of like hits it into the couch. And Boren walks up to one of the wolves. How many wolves? Come on, Boren. Three. Three. Let's get someone's attention. They're wasting a lot of our time. He looks at one of these wolves, and with the butt of his axe, he just kind of pops one on the nose. As you do it, its nose kind of pops in, and a little bit of stuffing comes out. <laughs> you can do better than that, Born. He steps to the next one. Something about those wolves got and you up. He raises his axe, and he, with the butt of his axe, he cocks it on the top of his head. Once again, it's you're just beating this kind of taxidermied. There's more stuff in this room than the than the wolves, Born. And, and Wendell takes another kind of swipe at the table and knocks over a couple candles and stuff. And then Born goes. All right. On his way out, he turns, and he just lops the last wolf's head off with his axe. Its head comes clean off. You can see the stuffing kind of rolling out. Uh, it's marble eyes, just kind of almost keep an eye on you the whole time as its head rolls away. All right, so we walk outside of that room into the, the other room with the spiral staircase. Yep, you got the spiral staircase to your right, and then right in front of you, you have another doorway. Why don't we just do this? Take my mage hand, open up the door right. with us sort of kind of using the spiral staircase a little bit. I'm going to conjure a, a bow. Okay, so you're just kind of seeking cover behind this spiral st uh, staircase and yeah. opening this door? With my mage hand. Right. Yeah. So your skeletal mage hand, which does not look like it normally does, right. has reached across. It turns the, uh, the knob of the door. It kind of creaks open. And you hear laughter. It sounds like a, some kind of dinner party going on. You can't see into the room. Well, to use your words, this is fucked. Have I said that? Well, y you've said the fuck word. Oh, many that's times. right. You don't curse. I, I'm not a man of a curse word. You know, it's funny. Coming from someone. Who knows curses rather well. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Have we kind of cooled off a little bit on that? Have you conjured up any compassion for my situation? There'll be a time and a place to yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I can't rush. I can't rush you on something like that. Let me tell you this. Yeah. I don't take kindly to murder because I know it all too well. And then I walk really, really close to Bourne. And I look down at him. And I say, you better help me lift this curse because before this curse ends, there's going to be a whole lot more murder that you're going to see. So you got to make a choice. You want to help me? Oh, God damn it. Boren puts a thumb to one of his nostrils and goes, and empties one nostril and just a bunch of dwarven snot spits. Enough talk. More animalistic qualities are coming. His, his beard's a bit, it's not well kept. Those braids are kind of coming undone. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and at this point, uh, even though I've I've put that breastplate on, still have my robes on, and uh, mm. I look like a like an old man who escaped a hospital sort yeah. of situation. <laughs> so I so, Borin and Wendell, creep further towards the door, and with my axe, it's kind of you open the door a bit further. Uh, as soon as you kind of push yourself into it. You no longer hear any voices. What you can see is a table, a long oaken table set with tons of delicious food. There's there's pheasant, there's fruits, there's apples. It's a whole entire feast set on this uh, silverware. You have entered a dining room. But it sounded like the voices were coming from that, like right in that room? They were definitely coming from this room. And how do I? How are my devices? And you can hear the clinking uh, of, 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 you know, plates. But it's all ceased when we enter. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Didn't mean to interrupt the uh, party. And there's no one in there. No. Born, did you just hear? But there is fresh food, a huge platter. I could have sworn that this room was uh, full of merry company. I, I heard it too. Do you smell this food? Smells. I gotta admit, Morn, I'm I'm tempted to go hog wild on I, some of this food. I, so am I. No, no, no. What? No, we can't. Well, why? Look. This place is cursed. You know, the last time I ate something, I had a pretty good time. Not from what I saw. You blacked out, friend. I uh, carried you halfway to where we were going. Oh, I was I was flying above with the flowers back in Faerun. From where you were, from where I was, you were a limp body being dragged around like a rug. <sighs> and I throw down the little piece of uh, mutton that I had in my hand, throw it back on the table. Trust me on this one, boy. I don't feel right in this place. And Boren kind of goes up to the food on the table and just kind of pushes it with his axe. His axe has become like kind of like a s- extension of his arm, and he's using it to like knock things so what over. Are you poking, and poking just like, like a wine a goblet, wine goblet, like pushing the turkey. So as soon as you push over this wine goblet, just maggots start crawling out of. Where the wine would be and spilling oh, all the oh, what the? All oh, of a sudden, this disgusting. food is like completely putrid, rotten. Oh, what the? This is disgusting. Get oh. out, boy. Let's get out of here. Oh, God. Am I going crazy? This is sick. Come on. I kick over the table. I use my huge dwarven boot to just kick the table. So, as soon as you kick it over, all of a sudden, you kind of hear like a, a screaming. It's very faint. You're not sure where it's coming from. And Borden looks around. Yeah, we stop in silence. You hear that? Yeah. I think this is the tenant that needs its eviction notice. Ah, very nice. Thank you. Okay. Roll, yeah, we each roll an insight check. See if we can okay. identify where this scream is coming from. 18. I got 14. The screams may or may not be undead. Something you sense within your uh, radius is. Okay. okay. And uh, the screaming you get a sense of is it's beneath you. The sounds you're hearing that Wendell's hearing is, is 
coming from. So below. Wendell gets okay. down low on, on the ground and he kind of puts his ear to the wood. Yeah, it sounds actually like a like a baby crying. Oh my god, a baby. There's only one way to go left. Just up this spiral staircase. So we stand at the bottom of the staircase and I guess start to make our way up. So as you curl and curl, you spire up. What's your marching order? Guess I'll lead. Boran goes first. Boran goes first. As soon as you get to the top of the stairs, you're facing a wall now. On this wall, there's still a lot of decorative stuff, still a lot of family photos. To the right of you is the door, and to the left of you, well, to the right of you is an open door, and to the left of you is another door. Uh, there is a, there's a coat rack, and there's also a, a suit of armor, a very nice-looking suit of armor hanging on the walls. More doors. I'm telling you. This place is filled with doors. Typically born, houses are filled with doors. Not where I come from. Boren peeks inside the door that's already open. So as soon as you walk forward, the, uh, the armor on the wall is shaking. And it has come out and is taking a lunge at you. And it's attempting to push you over the balcony. Boren! Roll initiative? Yeah. 50. That's crazy. I just rolled the same. Goddamn. Okay. But before that, you're going to take uh, two shoves from this uh, armor that's become animated. That's an 18 to hit. Miss. Ooh. He's going to try and uh, shove you again. Oh, and Boris just straight in the ground. He's got his... That's a 20. Oh! Wow. So, you have to do a strength contest. Yeah, Otherwise, you're going to be so. thrown back over the railing. <laughs> 24. Okay, so this, this armor goes to push you. You're just, you, you kind of grab yourself before the railing. Put yourself up and stop yourself from plummeting to the first floor of the death house. Wendell, give me a hand, mate. Okay. Wendell, your turn. I'm going to attack with my, uh, I guess I was holding on to a Morningstar, so I should roll that. Yeah, it's 1d8, I believe. Yeah, so first attack. 16. Yes. Second attack is going to be a 19. That is a hit. Um, that's going to be an 11. Damage. So that's a pretty good blow. You bludgeoned a big chunk out of the shoulder of this uh, plate, uh, of this armor, and it's just a, little, a whole little uh, piece of falling right off the ground. Bing! Whipping this shadowy morning star around. Alright. Or in your turn for redemption, as you just kind of teeter back to get yourself a good balance. You got your stance, you're grabbing your axe. This thing almost pushed you off a, a, a couple stories. Okay, I'm rolling my attack, my extra attack at the same time. Two rolls. Nice. He's well loaded with the die. Uh, they both miss. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you are still a, a bit of out, out of balance and taken aback by that. Um, from that, though, uh, I would like to use my uh, bonus action to cast a, a uh, 
thunderous smite. But that won't happen until next turn. Next turn, that's right. Okay. And that is just a vocal spell. So I start reading. By the gods of thunder me, you bless my axe, so that I may strike upon down with the strength of all the rain and rage the clouds. And my axe just starts to buzz with lightning and snap and crackle. This kind of gives a little bit of a trigger to Wendell, as he just told you that story. And watching your axe uh, being at the center of attention of a big storm um, sort of makes my eyes kind of light up and I sort of like uh, but then shake it off and realize that you're in danger and uh, oh is it my turn no it's probably this thing's turn yep so the armor's gonna take a, a swipe at Wendell two swipes with its kind of floating gauntlets uh, one is a 19 mm-hmm. you take eight points of damage okay. and the next is a 16 so two pretty big Mike Tyson Whoa. punches a couple of haymakers with these kind of floating uh, big gauntlets bludgeoning plate bashes to the yeah. face. Yeah. You motherfucker! Oh! So I'm going to take my uh, Morning Star, attack with advantage. It's going to hit. Uh, it's going to be eight to the first. Yep. And I'm going to come back with the backhand. You get advantage on that too, eh? Yeah. Okay. Well, I missed. Big swipe, but the first one hits. Mm-hmm. Taking another big chunk out of it. Big spark comes. But this kind of... Uh, this armor is just still kind of floating and Feeling thrashy. This piece of shit arm. Ah, watch your words, Sonny. Ah. My turn. Okay, I'm rolling them one at a time because I'm adding the thunderous damage, which is an extra 2d6 for each swipe. All right, let's hope you hit. AC's 18. Oh. So you do it. Plus eight, 20. That's a hit. That's a thunderous hit. Oh, great. And that is 16 damage for the first one. Also, 16 damage. 16 damage. Describe it. Oh, it just beautiful. Had, it just had 16. As I as I smash this thing down, all this thunder kind of comes out of nowhere, and all this lightning comes out of nowhere and goes into it, and then pushes it out, and it kind of smashes around the hallway. Shrapnel like digs into the wooden panels every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Still kind of hot. And- Smoking. My axe is in the ground after, in, in the wood of the house, and it's kind of sm- yeah, smoldering. Stuck in the and there's a big thunderous boom. Wait, wait, Born, don't, don't, don't touch your axe. What if, what if it's happening to you too? What's that? The curse. I'm not cursed. I wouldn't know it. And he kind of. Born pulls up on his axe, pushes down on it, and then pulls it up again. Uh, pulls it up. Wendell's in sort of wide-eyed in amazement. I know what I'm doing. Born, you gotta understand. As he's sort of recovering from a couple of these hits that he took. Up until a couple months ago, I haven't seen a whole lot in my life. I've been a simple farmer. Yeah, I see that. That's true, Born. Up until this lightning struck my damn axe, my life has been pretty simple. Yes, and apparently your life has turned into a murderous life. And then Wendell kind of turns away, and really hurts him now, because he's, he's sort of got a little bit scared seeing all this stuff. And uh, 
He looks down at his feet and he says, Maybe uh, this is where I should stay and join the death house. Boring. He's huffing and puffing after this. Thinking, he's thinking back to something. And he goes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. He's breathing very heavy. This place is like knots in my bones, vinegar in my vein, air in my blood. I don't belong here. But when I am here, something dark grows in me, and I do not like it. Let's keep moving, boy. This podcast has been brought to you by The Sonar Network.